guess the four and a half million people watch Canada soccer. You love to see it. You do kind of love to see that. Guess, because there's no way that you guys remember this. Because I didn't remember it. If I don't remember it, there's no way either of you do. Even with your young, fresh brains, you got nothing in there. You never used them. You never had to. (laughs) It's just, you know, Fortnite, and that's pretty much it. Oh, my God. JD, Fortnite? Yeah, that's what you did. Fortnite, it's prime, was so much fun. What were you doing? I wasn't playing Fortnite. Roblox or whatever? What's the one for the even younger kids? Uh, No, I was probably doing more. Minecraft? The one was PUBG. That was the cool uh, game. PUBG uh, is pretty fun. Okay. Yeah, Fortnite was more for younger kids. That's so. enough from young. Well, Joe is Fort, younger. Fortnite than you. was like See, fun when. Look how mad you made Joe. Prime. <laughs> yeah, look at Joe. He's yeah. furious. That's the age difference between me and Joe. It's like he played Fortnite. I did not. That's play true. Fortnite. So Fortnite, basically, to you, is what Pokemon was to me, where it was just a little bit. The younger kids were doing it first, and so you had to go. That's lame. Well, I guess, yeah. yeah, And then you'd steal your brother's Game Boy sometimes and rip a quick round. He was a bully. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pete was a bully. Now, people (laughs) don't know that, but Pete bullied everybody in high school. Pete became peace and love sports. Like, he's reformed. (laughs) Pete is reformed. It kind of makes sense, though, because when when Fortnite got, like, really popular, I was in, Mm -hmm. like, grade 11. That's, okay, that's this when it is started enough. to this grow. This is making everybody mad now. This yeah. is just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. My apologies. Everybody's my apologies. mad now. I just pictured Joe doing that Fortnite dance. What's it called? Which one? There's a lot that... Come on. The main Fortnite dance, Take dude. the L? Is that what we're talking no, about? No, that's not you it. Go like the this? one where you shake... Yeah, actually, that is the one. Yeah. That is that is one of the two. I was thinking about the... Did the gritty come from... No. The gritty yeah. came from LSU, but there was... Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, what's it called? There, there was the the hype. The floss. Oh, the floss. That's yeah, the one that's I was thinking famous about. Movie. There's, There's a lot of the gritty. The, like the floss was the one. There's a lot of dances that got like really popular off that. Yeah. Game. Anyways, Joe was flossing when he saw that number. But the question was I originally: was. Do you guys guess what Game Six of the Raptors championship game was? Game Six. Yeah, that's when they won against Golden State. Quick, just guess. This is, you won't be judged on this. Thirty million? No, that's crazy, Joe. Or uh, that Pete. That's Pete. That's one of the worst guesses. Three point five. Oh my God! Thirty million. All right, Mike off. Time out for a little thirty million. Pete. So the, okay, just oh Pete. Pete for, for reference, five point four was the peak of the Canada-Croatia game. Oh my God! Canada, that's just for the, reference. Canada's population is how many people, Pete? You can't Google it. You need to guess. Thirty-eight million. Okay, yeah, you, so you know that. So you think that... But I thought it was like every household was uh, watching the game, but uh, I will say... Um, only 8 million people in this country yeah, didn't like, tune in for the Raptors. That 80% TV of Raptors. the country. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. That, Terrible guess. <laughs> that so I, I guess 3.5. No, yours was bad too. You think that that was smaller than the soccer game? Absolutely not. No, it was almost 8 million people. Oh, I, I did that because you, of your reaction to Pete's. Well, yeah, 30 million <laughs> is quite a few. Again, our country is not that many more. It's 38 million. Anyway, that was amazing. Good job by both of you. Uh, 4.5 million people for a soccer game is pretty incredible. That's mm-hmm. really, really fun stuff. Uh, I love to see that. And this goes to what I'm saying before, which is a lot of people probably tuned into that who had never seen the team before, who had very little understanding of what's going on in the World Cup. And I say that again as somebody who has very little understanding of what goes on in a World Cup. Mm -hmm. But this is what it's going to take, and this is why this ramp-up period is going to be so crazy, is so many people's first experience is going to have been, I saw Canada play at the World Cup. And I saw Canada score a goal at the World Cup and hold a lead at the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Against a top-tier team. Yeah. 
yeah. so, and then they mopped us. But yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. The next four years, actually, the next two, because now, Joe, I'll be so curious to see how big Gold Cup becomes. Well, I was actually gonna bring that up because there's been talk. Nothing's been confirmed yet, but there's been talk that. A lot of people want to merge the Gold Cup and Copa mm. America yeah. to make a North and South American tournament where Canada could play teams like Uruguay, Ecuador, Brazil, Argentina on a that more would be regular sweet, basis. But I doubt that happens in the next two years, right? Maybe not in the next two years, yeah. but Canada also has been reportedly invited to the 2024 Copa America where they would play those teams because uh. there's not enough teams to make up a full slate. So they often, in, like the, the Gold Cup does it as well. Like Qatar was in the last one. Yeah. And they, they've invited Colombia, South Korea before. Yeah, Qatar's just figured out a way to well, get a lot of things done lately, huh? Qatar yeah. was, a, they were also a sponsor of the tournament. So yeah. That's a part Jealous. of the reason why they got invited. But, <laughs> that's the insinuation. But I will say, like, like Canada being invited yeah. to the Copa America is a pretty good sign because yeah. that's instantly at least three guaranteed games against, because South American teams are hard to play against. Yep. And that's and that's what we were talking about yesterday, right? Is this this team clearly needs to play against better competition? Mm-hmm. They clearly need cycles where it's not just teams from the states, and it's not just the Bahrain friendlies anymore, yeah. and more games against Qatar. Guess guess what we can learn from Canada against versus Qatar? Absolutely nothing. So no. we're good on that. Um, guess what we learned about the Toronto Raptors last night? That when they're healthy, they look good. They look damn good. And you know why they look damn good? Because Pascal Siakam makes everything else just fit right. Zero rust for Siakam. That second quarter last night was about as enjoyable as a quarter I've seen from a Raptor all season long. Especially just given that he's come back. I'm not trying to compare quarter by quarter every single one from this season. But he had four different baskets in that second quarter that were all a little bit different. But all jump shots that just illustrate how good of an offensive player he is right now. Then the third quarter, he starts to dime it around a little bit and he's finding other guys who are open and we're getting stats on the broadcast about how off of his passes, Raptors players are shooting their highest field goal percentage. He's, he's the man. Like it's, it's so hard to watch Siakam. And I tweeted this last night. It's so hard to watch him play like that and not get a little sentimental or reflective of just who he was when he first started his NBA career, right? This guy wasn't a scorer in college. This isn't, this isn't Jason Tatum's story, right? This isn't a Bradley Beal who was a scorer down in Florida. This guy was a relative nobody. This guy was an athlete. He was a, maybe a defensive prospect who was going to be able to run the floor. It's incredible, his growth. And anyway, I, I know that that always kind of becomes the story with Siakam, but seeing him come off of the IR, he only missed, I think, 10 games, which... It felt a little bit longer because a lot of these Raptors games have been slogs and they've had a ton of injuries. And yeah, you're looking at different lineups every single night. They're starting Hernan Gomez and they've had some. Well, he also started so strong. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, like we're actually like a legit team. And then he goes down and then it seems like it's been a while. But the only thing that I so Siakam was brilliant last night. But the thing I don't want to get lost in the shuffle of that one is Cleveland was missing Jared Allen. Sure. He's really important for them, and especially against a team like the Raptors, right, that mm-hmm. has Coloco as their only seven-footer. It's weird that you always have to remember now that they have a seven-footer. Yeah, it's true. Go, hey, because Coloco wasn't really expected to play this season. Now he's been forced into action. But I think it's more surprising that Toronto only has one seven-footer. <laughs> yeah, but they, they only scored 88 points against the Raps, and their leading scorer was, I'm pretty sure, Darius Garland at 18 points. Like, yeah, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, both at 18. Yeah, 
Raptors just shut them down. Shut down. Donovan Mitchell has been one of the stories this season. And honestly, mm-hmm. going into this game, I and I'm, I'm going to talk about this later with Grange, is whether or not the Raps pursued Donovan Mitchell in earnest. Because it does feel like a bit of a miss. Considering, it, like, that trade package looks way better right now because Laurie Markkinen has been incredible for the Jazz. But Laurie Markkinen wasn't Laurie Markkinen. They, they didn't make that trade going, you know what's going to happen here is we're going to get Laurie and he's going to be the building block of our franchise. No, no, no. That, those were salary dumps. They, those were draft picks that they were really coveting. They were taking on what it was going to become, you know, a bad Colin Sexton contract and whatever pieces in order to take Donovan Mitchell and get some picks. And I thought going into that game, man, it's, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a night where we really think about how badly the Raps could have used Mitchell. And instead, it was just another night where. All the pieces fit. You worry about something like, oh, is OG going to touch the ball enough when Siakam comes back? Guess what? Get, finds a way to get him involved just right. Still brilliant defensively. OG was amazing in that game. Amazing defensively. He had one play in it where he's guarding. It was the third quarter. Maybe end of the third. He's guarding out on the perimeter. And he's he's taking care of, again, Donovan Mitchell. Ball goes inside, and he's the one that backtracks and gets to the rim and makes the play. It's even more on display when you look at uh, Mitchell's numbers, too, coming into this game. Yep. Like, there's only a 30, 32, 33 point score. Yep. Eight. Yep. Got completely shut Eight. down. Three field goals. And he missed some wide open looks. And mm. he, so he had a rough night. But I also think that when a really good defensive player takes you at a rhythm, that that's how something like yeah. that happens. There's no flow. You just... Anyway, very, very fun night from the Raps. And I, and I just hope that this team can stay healthy. This will be the story going into Wednesday night's game against the Pelicans is these are two teams that need to stay healthy if they're going to be players in the playoff picture. Raps are scrappy, but they're not deep. And yes, do they have they always had guys that step up when other guys have gone down? Absolutely they do. But they just they can't replicate a Siakam. They can't replicate a Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to stay healthy if they're going to learn more about this team. Because when they've been healthy so far this season, which has been very, very limited... They've been an extremely fun watch, and they can make you dream on, yeah, like genuinely deep playoff runs. I think Cleveland, so far this season, has been the third best team in the Eastern Conference. They've been incredibly impressive for the most part, and the Raptors have now beat them twice. Mm-hmm. And last night, they kind of rolled them. And it was Siakam coming off the IR, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also like a really interesting what's going to happen with Gary Trent Jr. that I'm going to do with mm-hmm. Range later. It's just... I was thinking of asking you about Kevin's that right now. Bench, but well, yeah. it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And yeah. to me, I'm looking at it, and I feel like it's over. It's, it's not going to continue. Anyway, last, last night was just all about top performers. Like, it was Siakam, top performer. World Cup, top performer getting that rating. And Mitch Marner, top performer, extends the point streak. Um, he's the least best player right now. Like, he is. And I know that hurts Pete in his heart because he's in here with his oats hats every oh, day. He shook and... his head. He shook his head. No, no but it's I... fine. It's fine. Like, it's definitely true. Yeah. It's definitely true. He's the best player. Yeah. And Matthews has been better lately. Like Matthews definitely. has been looking more like himself and he had a vintage Matthews goal. Somebody gave him a drop pass and he ripped it into the back of the net off a wrist shot. And I went, oh, nice to see you, Mr. <laughs> Matthews. You know, like this is it. But he, he handed Mitch Marner the belt, apparently, in the post game. I didn't see it. Are you watching that? Like, you keep up on that? Or what's, what's the deal? How do you see those things? Or do you see them well, on I don't Twitter? See, I don't see it. Occasionally, they post it, but uh, yeah. I just saw a tweet about it. Because, uh, I, like, I, I keep waiting. Is this a show? Am I going to watch the show? They do someday? these little blueprints. And yeah, everything, but, but that's all it is. Yeah. The blueprint is a, 
like a small little cut, right? This yeah. isn't anything like the Amazon series, no, but they're no, producing no, their own. No, no, not because anymore. those those ones are horrific. Whenever you get the other than the, the Raptors one. Open gym. No, open, gym open gym is gym. really good. Oh, okay. yeah. Open gym is good, but for the most part, this was like after the HBO shows, after the 24 sevens, a couple of the teams tried their hands at them and then they became horrific. It's actually the Leafs fault. The, they ruined <laughs> hockey 24 sevens because they told them to cut everything. They went, nope, 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 nope. And then HBO went, yeah, we're good on this. You know, like we don't really need that. So, so you're talking about the, the all access. Yeah. The all video. access shows, oh, behind okay, the scenes okay. shows. Even think about how terrible the Amazon one was. We, oh. That was the Leafs most heartbreaking finish and all we got was John Tavares sitting around his backyard with his uncle going, I think you're good. <laughs> and he went, I think you're good too. We got and a great you... uh, Sheldon Keefe speech prior to overtime. Yeah, we got, that there was, was sure, there were a couple of things that were used that were okay. But for the most part, that sucked. It was, it was bad. I hated that series. It was not good. Jake Muzzin in his backyard. It was no, <laughs> it, we did not need that one. Anyway, uh, Anthony Petrelli, excellent hockey writer for Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Uh, love reading his notes every, every Monday. Uh, always feel a little bit smarter after I read them. Also, uh, pieces some pen some things for Yahoo. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Good, man. How about you? I'm well. So, um, born yesterday, looked at me like I had three heads when I said that Mitch Marner is this team's best player right now. Um, how many heads do you think that I have uh, when you hear me say that? <laughs> well, in fairness to, to Born, not that I ever like to defend him, but I think the question originally was like, whose team is it? And then yeah. he looked at you like that. But in terms of best player, it's obviously him right now. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing to discuss. He's on a massive heater at the moment. He, one of the best players in the league right now. I mean, who's better than him right now in the league? I think Jason Robertson's on a 16 game point streak himself and he leads the league in goals. So you could mm-hmm. probably name him. And then clearly you just always give McDavid just the, hey, yeah, no, you're the best guy now. This is just the way that we do it. But you're right. Man, Marner is on a tear. And and I guess the reason why I think about, like, team is, well, I'm a basketball fan. This isn't so much like a hockey thing as it is a basketball thing. But I like doing it every once in a while. But this this actually feels a little bit like... To me, when I go whose team is it is I always think of who's the, who's the identity player, right? Who is the guy that the rest of the group takes on the identity of? And for me right now, so far this season, it's been Mitch Marner. In years past, it's always been Austin Matthews. But this year, it feels like Mitch. Like, if you look at the way that they're playing games right now and the way that they're finding success, he's been their best guy. And I think that a lot of players around the team are trying to replicate what he's doing to have their own successes. Yeah, I mean, he drives the bus, right? We we probably don't give it enough credit, but uh, as a thought exercise in itself, who's had a career year playing with Mitch Marner so far? Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews last year had 60. John Tavares had the 47-goal season. I actually looked this up last night. Tyler Bozak had more points with Mitch Marner than, every, than he ever did with Phil. That's insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. J, JVR had the 34-goal season yeah. with Mitch. Yeah. I, I mean... Michael Bunting, if you want to count him last year, like guys play with Mitch and they have career years. Like who do you want to go and and be really productive with? It's Mitch Marner. The, the Phil Kessel one kind of hurts me. (laughs) I know. And I love Phil. I I know that's the thing is that all you have from that era is Phil Kessel and Hey, defending Phil became uh, a real thing for Leaf fans. Some people decided to, to go with the whole Dion thing. Like my buddy, Sam McKee, who went, 
uh, he's miscast and did this, they kept that diatribe for forever. But no, the Phil Kessel and look what he did with Tyler Bozak was one of the strongest cases for Phil. And so hearing that one is a little bit jarring. But no, I, I listen, man, that's it's kind of incredible to hear. But yeah, that's sort of what Mitch Marner is. Is I just think the. I don't want to say the more consistent player because Matthews has been the top goal scorer five on five. So I'm searching kind of for what the actual word is, but you're right. He's just a driver and he can just fit with any single piece. And we've never really had a conversation of does this guy fit with Mitch Marner? And I do think that we've had that conversation when it does come to Matthews. Anyways, both players are great. People will always get mad at questions like this because they'll view it as you can only have it with uh, being a detractor of one and a fan of the other. But I just, I'm so thoroughly impressed with Mitch Marner's game. Do you see anything different with him this year? Like outside of now he's getting a new, he's getting new line mates. It's honestly, it's all confidence with him, right? Mm -hmm. You could see it last night. He scores the goal and then he started dancing after the rest. He had a, the play where he kind of 360 around and then took it behind the net and then stopped and then fed Yarncroft in the slot. And it happened after his goal and you could just see it goes right to his confidence. I, it, more than anything, like that's the issue that he's probably been plagued by the most come playoff time, right? Like it's just the confidence goes down, or the situation you could see it kind of piling on, or whatever. It's like, how do you replicate that for him come playoff time? Because when he's going and and when he's on one, as we're seeing right now, it just it goes right to his legs. You can tell that he feels good out there and. Um, I, like, I, I don't look at it as a stylistic thing. I, I think he's pretty much the player he's always been. I mean, you kind of, you, I don't want to say lucky, but I mean, that was a bad goal last night too. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a really bad one, but you could just see the, the impact it has on his game when, when things start going well for him and he's a good player. So more often than not, they will. It just, it just goes right to his legs and he just, he just builds off of it. And it just, and then you get what you're getting now, which is one of the hottest players in the league. Yeah, Huso probably should make that save, but Marner is the guy who gets to the dangerous part of the ice, right, where you can have a goal like that. So you're right. It is a lot of confidence with him, and I think that anybody who's observed him for a long time sees that. I would argue that maybe he's a little bit stronger this season, but that also can be some confirmation bias based on hearing reports about it in the preseason and knowing that's always part of his game, that he's trying to improve and that he added a couple of pounds and Every time he goes in on a four check, I think, oh, he's stronger this year without actually consulting, you know, looking back at tape from years past. Either way, um, I thought that we were pretty much destined for this to be an experiment, though. He and Tavares, that this was going to be a shuffling and that eventually what we were going to go to is uh, what the Leafs have gone to in the past, which is putting him back with Austin Matthews. And and the more this is working, um, the more I do feel like, hey, maybe this could actually last. Where, where are you landing on it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if uh, if you remember when he first did it, they were losing after the first period. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, he's he's going to put them back. Like, like, we've seen this movie too many times. He changes something for like 10 minutes, and it's not going well, and he just calls in. To Keith's credit, he kept them together. And I, it's weird because the way that they, almost, they view it is, is kind of the, like what you're saying. It's like it can only be one or the other. And they shouldn't view it like that. They should constantly be, you know, the second it goes stale, it's like anything else. Like if you just keep guys together for so long, it does, it does, you do have to move guys around once in a while and and it depends on the matchup. And like, that's how they should play it where they're just constantly shifting it around or tweaking it or, you know, depending on the situation or who's rolling or 
whatever. Like, I, I don't know why it always has to be one or the other, but they, they play it just like you asked the question. And it, so eventually it's just, it's probably, it's just going to switch back. And I don't, it can't be right now because Marner's on an incredible hot streak, but mm-hmm. the, you know, if the, the hot streak ends and Matthews is kind of doing what he's doing now, which is weird to say, cause he's producing technically, but like, you know, where it kind of like looks on and then it looks off, they're eventually just going to switch it back is, is my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably end up switching it back, but if it doesn't go back to working the way that it used to, then at least I feel like they will be able to pull the trigger and go back to to this group where they say, yep, well, you tried it again, and maybe there's a little bit more flexibility to it. Uh, What I think is weird with the fans is most people look at it and go, well, you can't keep them split up because you have to make sure that you placate to Austin Matthews because what if he leaves? It's this weird Toronto insecurity thing of, well, people are always going to leave us and no one's really going to want to be here and maybe it's not as good here as people say it is, blah, 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 blah. And yet that's pretty much also the same case for why people get mad about this organization because they do the inmates run the asylum thing. And I go, okay, well, which which one of these things is it that that you're more afraid of? Is it that the blue and white disease exists or that a player is going to leave you in a couple of seasons from now because they didn't get everything that they wanted. Either way, to me, um, I think that, again, you you outlined it in your piece. These guys fit better together. Like, this looks like the better fit, and having that flexibility doesn't seem to ever really be a bad thing. And, yeah, just in terms of all sports, you want to be able to have as many diverse looks as you can if you're going to win. So this has been a bit of a byproduct of that slow start. And that's what your latest notebook goes into. So out of everything that's happened from these injuries and all of the information that team that this team has been able to glean, the slow start, everything, what's been the biggest positive for you? Uh, to me, it's everything that's happening in net. And it's not just in terms of the goalies. There was a, a while there where they had a really good save percentage. And like right now, Matt Murray's been full value. So um, to say nothing against him, he's been great. But there was a while there where obviously he was hurt and Shawgren was in that quite a bit and Sam Stonoff was really good for a bit. And honestly, it was just the team save, the same, the save percentage was honestly a reflection of the team to me mm. because they, they just played really, really well defensively. And a lot of their forwards are buying in, right? Like, I, I think. I think Zach Austin Reese has been a, a great little signing. I mean, he's under a million dollars. It's honestly hysterical to think that he didn't get signed all summer and he signed for under a million dollars because they actually signed Nicholas Okubel for a million dollars, who's now making more money in Washington. I mean, he's just a nice kind of checker role player, knows his job, just shows up and does it every night, which to me is a, a lot more refreshing than over-the-hill veteran who they miscast up the lineup or a Nick Patan, like, you know, quadruple A player who they, you know, roll the dice on and they're like, oh, can we get a hit here or Jimmy VC experiment? It's like, no, like, this is what Zach Austin Reese is and we're going to use him here and, and he, he knows who he is, we know who he is, and it's just a checker. But they're, just their overall team defense I've found to be really, really good. Like the, you know, I'm sure you like me, there were probably many games over the past few years where they win the game, but you just, you don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they didn't play well, but they won because they're more talented and their, their skill just took over. Maybe their power play went three for four or whatever it was like, they're not getting wins like that right now. They're getting wins because they're playing 
like really good defensive hockey and their top players are scoring and their defense is moving the puck well. And, and like, that's it. Like they're, they're not, there's no like sour wins uh, anymore for me. And I think a lot of it's just their goaltending has been really good, but their, their forwards in particular have really bought into making everyone's life easier defensively. It's the best they've ever looked defensively. No question. And, and I do think that the, the theory that I have been kicking around is that it was everything breaking at the, at the right time. They had to have Shalgren in that. Their coach was on the hot seat. Their stars were under pressure. And this is kind of part of the reason why I keep talking about the Marner identity player thing, you know, and him being the face of the team right now is I think that no guy bought in more than he did. I think that he wore the criticism publicly. Um, He addressed it through the media. And then he knew that the way that he was going to play was probably going to determine the narrative around his coach. And the guy stepped up his game. He, He changed the way that he was playing. And, yeah, if I think about the Leafs' best defensive forward, the people have always done the should Matthews kind of get in the Selkie mix conversation. And, no, right now it's it's been Mitch Marner. And it's another guy who even yesterday, right, draws a, draws a penalty while he's on the penalty kill. He's just He's been brilliant in this regard. So they, they've had some things break their way. I think that their defensive structure has been awesome. Their buy-in has been awesome. They look like a really well-coached team. They're getting saves from the outside. But the other thing that I would say is the, the new positive is they're finally getting a look at – um, the Sandine Lilligren pairing in real minutes and figuring out what exactly they have there. And, and this is something else that I, I was talking about yesterday. Um, and I couldn't help but think about it in your, in your piece, right? And when we're talking about, hey, uh, those 4A players that these guys have tried to trot out here at certain times or veterans that have been miscast, right? The, the group of players that we were just discussing, how, hey, they decide, Zach Aston Reese, you're going to work. We have the data on you. He's actually basically just like a David Camp version where they go, hey, look at these awesome defensive metrics. Look at how well this guy kills penalties, puts him in a lower role, and it's working out for you where you can just kill time and space. But I I think that one of the criticisms of this team is that they haven't been able to find minutes for younger guys with higher ceilings, and oftentimes they've been blocked by those types of players. And right now, I kind of feel like that's happening with Robertson. It's hard to watch his brother have this breakout and go, okay, you don't want to at least see what you have in this kid. You don't want to see, okay, I get Malgin's had some good plays so far this season. I've liked him at times, but you really can't get him in over Malgin a little bit more often. Like you're not going to have him down the AHL. Do you think that that's what happened here a little bit with Sandy and Lilligren? Is this just kind of fortuitous timing? Is this... You know, these guys being able to be in a still a bit of a sheltered environment because of the the way the forwards are buying. Like, what what are you making of this pairing so far during their elevated uh, import? Yeah, I mean, we we've we've you know I've talked about him before. Like, I, I think Lilligren is good. I think the Leafs recognize that he's good. Uh, you know, even last season he was you know in and out of that top four. Uh, you know, Jake Muzzin was healthy. You could easily say that, like, that would be their, um, they would give that a look as their shutdown pairing as they did last season. Like, I, I think he's he's full value and his, um, even though his contract is super cheap, which is a nice piece of work that it's also for next year. Like, I think they're fully, they're in on him. Um, Sandine, on the other hand, I, I think he needed this. I think he needed to to prove a little something as opposed to going down the Travis Dermott loophole of, you know, people think that he's good and he does okay in the third pair of minutes, but then the second they need him to move up, it, it falls apart and so on and so forth. Like Sandine, I think really, really needed the opportunity. And you still see a few of those 
those plays in his game where he holds the puck a little bit too long and he always tries to make a play when there isn't one. And as the season goes on and, and games get tighter, it gets, that gets worse and worse. Like you can't continue to do that obviously, but I think he'll get there and he'll figure it out just a little bit better. But he, I, you know, you bring up Nick Robertson and, and to me, Sandine and Robertson are in the same boat because you know what? A lot of people were not banging down the door for Rob or for Sandine. Sorry a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and he, he had an opportunity because it was forced. Like he was not getting this. Otherwise he was not getting this much ice time. If if they were hurt, if they weren't hurt, not even close. And Robertson probably needs the same thing to happen just realistically. And, and we've spoken about it before. Like Keith literally said, like guys have to play their way out of the lineup in order for this guy to come in. So the only way that Robertson is going to get, an honest to God look is guys get hurt. I and mean, he has to be going into the lineup knowing I could play really well today, but like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unless I'm, unless I'm potting two, you know, unless I'm it's game one that he had against Dallas where it's like I potting two, including the OT winner. I, I'm probably not able to do enough to just stay in the lineup. Cause like I played well. I, I don't see any way that it happens unless they decide. And I would imagine there's at least a chance he gets in there on Wednesday. Um, it's a softer spot. And, and I don't think Malgan has been, uh, let's just say he hasn't justified making sure that you're playing him every single night over the last little stretch. It is I, like, I'm not going to try to make the case that Robertson is some kind of a better player than some of the guys in this lineup, but this this kind of does go back to what hurts you when you miss on signings like Yarncroc, who has been better, I think, a little bit up the lineup, uh, better when he's with some better players rather than kind of lost on that third line they had him on. But, yeah, Alex Kerfoot has one goal this year. Like, Yarncroc has been a complete miss so far this season. And, yeah, you have guys that just end up blocking some of your younger talent. I do believe that there's an opportunity cost that's lost there with with players like that, especially when you're kind of in these competitive cycles and you're very, very inflexible in terms of who you decide to put into your lineup. Um, That being said, uh, they've gotten a decent little look at Holmberg now. And, yeah, he's I think he's Sheldon Keith's favorite player, (laughs) the way that he talks about him. Uh, What do you make of Holmberg's play so far? He's been great. I, I don't know if you could ask for much more from a rookie being slotted into a three C position, which is a really important position position to just walk right into, um, especially on a cup contender, right? Like that's what they fancy themselves as. And it, you need, you need three lines. You can get away with the fourth line, not doing much, but you legitimately need three lines that you can roll out there. And, um, you know, it's tough for me to sit there and say like this is a hundred percent, the third line center, this season sure. for a cup contender. Like I really like him and I would definitely play it out until as long as possible. Hey, if you can, if you can just keep him in until February and then make a determination, I keep going back to in my mind and it's something Dubas said. And we just talked about Sandine and Lilligren where he, it was about a month ago where he basically said, I don't know if you recall, but he, he said really, if doesn't even matter how they play at some point, like even if they do play well, we still might have to like add. Mm-hmm. And, and he was talking about Sandine and, and Logren where it was like, yeah, like these guys have an opportunity right now to step up due to the injuries. But even if they do play well, like that might not be enough. 
and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but that, that was really what he said. And I kind of feel like that for Holm, Holmberg in terms of just this year. I think next year, you, you, unless he falls off a cliff, you're penciling him in as a 3C. But for this year, I look at it and just go, I, can this be the guy like through, you know, what, 20 games and 45 nights in the playoffs and 20-plus games? Like, can this be the guy? And uh, it's a big ask. It's a big ask for anybody and but I'm happy that they're they're taking a kick at it and it just kinda he just slotted everyone else better into their positions. Yeah. Like Pierre Engvall's not a center. He's not. And Yarncroc can't play it either, and Kerfoot definitely can't play it, which we've learned year after year. And you talk about oppor- opportunity costs, but honestly not selling high on him after a career high season with a year left on his contract yeah. was insane then and it was it's even more insane now. He's making three and a half million dollars to be a penalty killer. Yeah. Uh I'd say that right now, so far this season, the toughest looks are what exactly they saw in Yarncroc to validate four years, especially with him coming off of uh, the stretch he had in Calgary. And yeah, not moving off of Alex Kerfoot when he seemed like such an obvious salary cap casualty for this team. And his, yeah, his value had clearly gone up to the point where he should have been covered around hockey. And I remember asking people like insiders and just kind of getting my own feel around it. And he clearly had value and they didn't explore it. I think that the third one might be uh, that they didn't even ask Jake Muzzin to entertain the idea of a trade, but that one, um, yeah, that one might end up being just okay for them because they could probably trade his LTIR space and, and have value come back uh, or it at least isn't hurting them in some way. So yeah, I, I think that what we're talking about um, with Holmberg is what uh, I've liked so much about this Leaf season is just, hey, find out what you have with some of your younger, cheaper guys who might have a little bit higher ceilings. And you're right. It, you don't have to make these decisions and have them be set in stone or not be able to ever shift off of them. I would just rather have it this way where you collect that information and then be able to go to a vet who, yeah, you have more of a sample of like a Zach Aston Reese type who, you know, they've put in there rather than the other way around, which is, you know, you have to end up cutting a Kubel and, oh, all of a sudden you're, you're throwing a kid into the fire. I just, yeah, I hope that they can find out more information on the younger guys. I like that they're doing that now with that pairing. I like that they're doing that now with Holmberg. Now I just think that the next step is doing that with Robertson. Uh, Anthony Petrelli, again, Maple Leaf Hot Stove. You can find all his writing there. I highly recommend it. You'll always be smarter if you read it. And, uh, yeah, Yahoo Sports. Thanks for coming on today, buddy. Thanks for having me. Cheers, pal. Uh, Anthony Petrelli. I forgot to ask him about Canada soccer because he's a big fan too. But either way, we run out of time. We got to take a quick break, and we come back. It's Tuesday, so we look at the sketchy lines. I have a couple. Quick break. We'll be back. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so I hit my bet yesterday. and I actually kind of hit both because I said, hey, don't sleep on the Steelers. This is a good number for them. Bang. I kind of hit both, too. You kind of hit both? Yeah, well, I had I had Najee over on his rushing yards and then the anytime touchdown. Uh, uh, but the anytime, anytime touchdown was like, I was like not as sold on it. I'm just like it has good value because it was at plus 130. Yeah. So I'm like, it's plus money. You know, he had two the last game. Why not throw down some coin on it? Uh, but the rushing yards was my main one. But the, the hey, anytime Joe, TD hit. Joe, so, when, when like the guy whose name is on the show was talking about his bet. Dude. Sorry. And you jump. I hit mine too. And then do a five minute rant on what your thought process was <laughs> on the bet nobody cared about. My fault. Yeah. 
I need the dart gun in here for Joe sometimes. <laughs> he gets so excited. <laughs> Put a mic in front and of him. And everybody else always I see with coffees and drinks, and Joe is just high on life. Anyway, uh, did you get yours? I did hit my bet. So we were yeah. three for three last night. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice job for the fellas. Very nice job, fellas. Way to go. A little, little clap for the fellas. On a crappy football game, maybe at least you made some money. I watched zero of it. I saw the highlights this morning. But no, I did Leafs game, Leafs talk, and then watch that Raptors game. Uh, three quarters from my couch, the fourth quarter from my bed. And then I went, all right, I don't need the last seven minutes of this. I got it. Well, this is done. So it was a little bit of work smarter for the end of the Raptors game last night. Anyway, um, it's Tuesday. So it's time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. This is a really great week. Look at the games this week. Find me the bad games. Honestly, like go through this schedule and find me the game that you would not watch. What's the game you wouldn't watch? Packers Bears, right? That's it. Like that's the probably number one draft pick of you would not have any interest in watching this game bowl, right? Yeah. Especially if there's no fields. I don't know what his status is, but look at these games. They're really good. Maybe Seahawks Rams, probably a little Steelers, lower. Falcons. I wouldn't watch Steelers Falcons. I Steelers Falcons in front of me. Falcons have a bye week. Yeah, really? I think the, the, the Falcons and the Panthers are on a bye week. Yeah, it's it could, the second last bye week wow. of the season. Really? Steelers are playing the Falcons. Wait, what? Yeah, they're playing. Not. Yeah, they're playing. It's on It's on the app. It's on the DraftKings app. I don't have it in front of me either. That's a weird one. Either oh. way, maybe that's just not there because the line was adjusted, but I don't have it in front of me on terms of my sheet. But it's incredible. It's Bills, Patriots. Jets, Vikings is shockingly exciting. Even Jaguars Ravens cool. is not as exciting, but there's still a little bit of intrigue there given how it feels like things are about to completely blow up in Denver and what happened this week with Baltimore. Yes. There's at least a tiny touch of, I want to see that game. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, Houston, normally a nothing burger, but it's the return of Pete's quarterback, Sean Watson. Please. Well, yeah. it's just facts. I don't know what to tell you. It is. Yeah. Uh, sets my quarterback. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he won't be this weekend. So. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, it is. It's, uh, so, and then it's Commanders Giants. Fun one. Sneaky fun one. Titans Eagles is awesome. Austin's Titans. Jags Lions is fun. That wow. is a fun game. And it's a pick them. Mm-hmm. Dolphins Niners to me, game of the week, unless it's this one. Kansas City Bengals. Which yeah. one of those two are you picking first overall? You only get to watch one game. Chiefs Bengals. Yeah. I think I'd go Chiefs Bengals. Dolphins just, Niners close second. Though. I know, but Dolphins Niners is kind of the, hey, one of you guys prove it to me, Bull. You know, I already believe that the Chiefs and Bengals are contenders. The mm. Dolphins and Niners have a little bit of, now the Elijah Mitchell injury for the Niners. Terrible. I'm going. A little bit right. of uncertainty. There's just one less guy there for you. There's yeah. one less guy that you kind of need. And if you've watched Niners games, even since they've gotten McCaffrey, who's getting the rock to run it? And that they traded Jeff Wilson Jr. too. Traded to Miami. <laughs> to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and it's Mike McDaniel. Like, it's just, this is a fun one. I, this is very, very close. These are very, very close. It's Tua also against a good defense. And there's a lot of people going, hey, is Tua the, he, is Tua mm. the man? Is Tua really the real deal? And this is kind of one where we get to see whether or not he's more of a better version of a Jimmy Garoppolo or whether he's legit. Anyway, I, I love both those games. Those, those two games are so sexy to me. I feel like Chiefs Bengals you have to do because there's a bit of, hey, if Mahomes goes in here and kicks ass, then the Hurts MVP stuff probably goes yeah. away. 
um, people just grab and say, hey, you know what? The Hurts season can be really, really awesome, and he can garner a ton of votes, but the best player in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, and this is the team that he lost to last year. Yeah, Raiders-Chargers is fun. Um, I guess I didn't count Monday night. I was just looking at Sunday slate because Monday night is awful. I, I won't, Monday night. Is- Dude, that's... I don't even know if I'm going to watch that game. The total is 40 points. I don't even know if I'm going to watch Saints that game. Bucks game, and I would probably lean to the under. All right, so did any of these lines, fellas, all these awesome games, all these awesome games where everybody's going to be glued, this is not a this is not a screw-around weekend, all right? No. This is a real invested, you know, you're in front of the ticket, and you're flipping games. You're locked in. You got multiple screens. Was there any line that stuck out to either of you as fishy? The, the, it's funny that we were talking about like all these games being mm-hmm. most of them being good and competitive. By the way, I checked it's Arizona on the bye week, not Atlanta. Okay, I saw the wrong logo. But anyway, um, like I was looking at these Once games, again. and a lot of them are solid. Like it seems like every line you could make a justification for either side, mm. which is an interesting week, or most of them at least. Like even like like Tennessee and Philadelphia, Tennessee plus five. They got Mike Vrabel. So that means for you, you don't have any sketchy lines. I, I don't have any sketchy lines, yeah. although I okay. will say um, that's okay. You don't have to force it. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to force it. I don't, the, the Seahawks and the Rams was, I, I feel like the Seahawks are going to blow them out. Hmm. I, I don't know why I had a feeling about that game, but other outside of mm-hmm. that, everything else, I'm like, yeah, I understand. Like, I can see why they've made the line the way it is okay. with the injuries, competitiveness. I'm not sure why the Giants are plus two and a half against the Commanders. Ooh. Um, I, I'm really high on the Giants You this believe year. in the Giants? Yeah. Oh, you yeah, still oh, believe? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been in Mexico, Pete. I don't know if you know this, oh, but really? the Giants have not been the same since <laughs> you left. And the Commanders beat the Eagles. Since yeah. the Giants, since you last left, the Giants have not been the same. They got uh, absolutely obliterated by the Lions, and then the score was not reflective in the Cowboys game of how it actually went, where... Yeah. Uh, Mark Boffo got his backdoor cover, but it was an ass kicking with three seconds. <laughs> and we saw a very angry Brian Dable as well. Yeah, just it's yeah. it's been a couple of weeks where the the G men have looked poor. So this is well, that's one that stood out okay. to me. And then right. uh, the fact that the Jaguars and the Lions is a pick'em. I think. Uh, Who did you think is better? I think the Jaguars. I think Trevor oh. Lawrence this past Sunday looked really good against the Ravens and deserves. You have been in Mexico. I just told you that the Lions blew out your Giants. Your transient <laughs> properties here right now make no sense. Any given Sunday. Like, I know, but you're jumping around. You're going, what I love about the Jaguars is they looked really good last week. The Lions, though, who beat my Giants, who I think are good, discredit them. Why are they only? I think that's a good line, though. That's a fun game. That's mm-hmm. a really good line. That's one where you tease it and you take the over. That's that's that's. I'm gonna do a teaser over parlay this weekend. Absolutely, one billion percent. Because there's a couple of games in this uh, on this slate that are gonna be fun uh, to just bet overs, like the Chargers Raiders game. Which I I think here's here's what I think. You know what's fishy? That total. Why is it only fifty and a half? That's too low. That should be 40, or that should be 54 and a half. Hmm. That's four points lower than I would have guessed Chargers Raiders. Like, those two teams, they're not getting stops. Right. <laughs> no. Those are two teams that are slinging around. Those two teams have running backs who are playing extremely well. I'm, I'm sketched out by this. I'm sketched out by that being four points lower than what I expected it to be. So this week, it hasn't been so much lines for me. I do, I would say that it's a little fishy with the fish. The hook. Mm. Just make it three. Why isn't it just three? Why is it, Why three, and is it three and a Why half? Why is it three and a half? But that's only a half a point. Mm-hmm. Packers, 
minus three. That looks fishy on paper because they just own the Bears and the Bears just got blown out. Yeah. But it might be and Jordan Justin Love. Fields might, may not be playing. But this is that's what I'm saying. Maybe Fields gets in there. Maybe it's Love. This feels just like nobody wants to even watch this game, so they just set it at that number and said, "Yeah, whatever." Stay on, on Sunday, they did say that Fields has a chance to play. He's yeah. getting better every day, but mm-hmm. it's nothing's been confirmed yet. Here's the last sketchy line of the week. Why are the Bills only five point favorites against the Patriots team that they embarrassed in the postseason last year? Yes, I agree with that, JD. Why? Yeah. Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. The only reason the Patriots hung around with the Bills last season is because they got a snowstorm. And now what we know about the Bills is now that they have a passing offense and no running game, they're not allowed to play in the snow. It's too <laughs> dangerous for the players. <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah. Um, this is weird. That's a weird line. Minus Thursday. Five. Minus five. Josh Allen kind of likes to embarrass Belichick now. I don't know. That just feels like it should be a little bit bigger. The five reeks of something sketchy there for me. I don't know. I'm still going to be betting the bills. I, uh, that just, that, that threw me off a little bit. So those are the sketchy ones for me guys behind the glass. Anything sketchy to you? Anything stand out? I was thinking the Packers bears one too. I mean, I'm just kind of curious what, like if Jordan love was named the starter, what do you think that line sits at Hmm. this? I just, I, I can't, I, I, Ugh, it's it just looks wrong, Mark, because we've seen this for so long. Aaron Rodgers kicked their teeth in. He owns this team, so that looks like free money. I just think that's a that's a hard time for our eyes to adjust to line more than it's a sketchy line. You know what I'm saying? I I agree with that, and but part of me thinks that. Aaron Rodgers just wants to dominate the Bears, uh-huh. and then he's going to, after this game, just sit the That's rest of the season. That's it. <laughs> he's just going to own them one last time and say, yeah, I saved my last game of the season, and my, I beat you with a broken thumb. Austin, are your Titans disrespected? Uh, how can they not be here, J.D.? Last night, the Chiefs by three points. Eagles are yeah. five-point favorites. That's, like, what, that's what I brought up earlier. Malik Willis out there. Now they got Tannehill. What are we doing here? Five uh, points? You kidding me? Five points. I, I wonder if the, if the Von Miller thing is making a big impact on that Buffalo game. Yeah. I wonder if that was part of the thought process. And that's a good point. Also, my, not ACL, but who, he, Von Miller, for what passing attack that the yeah. Patriots have? Every single Patriots fan on the planet is, is bitching about how Mac Jones sucks now after I, I know. It's just, saying I'm, he's new Tom Brady a year ago. That, <laughs> Patriots true. fans are the worst fan base. I, t- I tell you, I've been saying this to everybody. They were all bandwagon fans. None of them in Ontario. I'm not talking about New England and New England fans. I'm saying the Ontario ones. Every single one of the Ontario oh, yeah. ones is the worst fan on planet Earth. There's a couple other ones like Ontario Flyers fans. Woof. That's a bad one. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a real bad one. I know one. a couple of them. That yeah. one's bombing a dart a off of you them. and then sucker punching you later that <laughs> night. That's a bad fan. That is a horrific fan. The the last one that I noticed, my, my gut tells me to hit the under in every single Denver Broncos game. Uh, At 38. I know. I like the Broncos are only going to score like. And they're, they're, the Broncos are going to pick up their weekly fourteen. I'm not, I'm not that, that can't be the one though that I that I touch. It, it wouldn't be my best bet, but it's just my gut always tells me to go Denver under, and it's made me a lot of money. That line is actually year. a little sketchy too. Just considering, okay, put it in this context: the Houston Texans are laying down in the street and trying to die. They want no business in <laughs> being competitive anymore, and they're yeah. seven point dogs at home. Mm-hmm. The Ravens at home. Only eight and a half, like an extra point and a half against the team that the Broncos, right? If you had to go through the league, well, what would you say? They're already a top three pick right now. But if you had to go through the league and pick the teams that are going to be the least competitive 
every single week. I would say that right now you have the Rams, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I Down to their Seahawks third string gonna, quarterback. Oh, Seahawks are going to smoke them. The Rams. Yeah, Houston and Denver. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. The Raiders got to be close. The Raiders? Raiders got to be close. The Raiders just won. No, Joe. I know, but they still have to be close to the bottom. Like, they're still. No, they're still competitive. They still have a heartbeat. They have Derek Carr. He's playing Jacobs. for his career. No, they're. That's I mean, wrong. Jo- no, Josh Jacobs. Ah, jo- stop. Josh wrong. Jacobs is you're just good. Wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> hey, you're just wrong. Shh. Didn't, didn't you say you're wrong? Didn't you say to fade the Raiders every week last yes, week? Yes, because they can't get stops. But they're they're not dead in terms of like these teams are not playing football right now. Oh, okay, and Russell okay. Wilson had negative one yard <laughs> with a minute before the half. Derek Carr is still slinging it. They still have Devontae Adams. Like they're playing for pride. Uh, Josh McDaniels is playing for his job. Like Denver's coach is oh done. Yeah, like Hackett that's, that's is true. That's done. True. Russell Wilson is hated. They're gonna have to tear this thing down to the studs. The Ravens are supposed to be contenders. And I think we all have our suspicions as to whether they will be or not. But mm. ooh, eight and a half, just why not ten and a half? Mm. Why is this not mm. double digits? Well, Spooky. Chiefs and the Rams last week was 14 and a half. That's just a little, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Spooky. Yeah. This is a little spooky. Chiefs hit that too. They, they covered it. No. Did they hit the 14 and a half? They it was close. They, they, by did. Six. they, they went by sixteen. They went I, by sixteen. I just knew they covered the six and a half because that's what I had in the cowards bar. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. No, they, 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 they did cover fourteen and a half. Yeah. You think Jets is sketchy? Make the case for sketchy Jets. I just think, you know, first, I think it's just disrespect for everybody, the Vikings, to be I'm honest. Like, Does anybody think anything sketchy? And everybody's like, no, 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 no. And now we're talking and everybody's like, oh, yeah, what? Well, so the group did their homework on the fly today is what I'm no, gathering. But, anyway, Bob, no, make but, the case. Jets are sketchy. Okay, so Cousins just won in prime time, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. They're at home. I feel mm-hmm. like the Jets, I, I, I just... Listen, I think that it's a okay line, but how is there not a hook here to make it at least three and a half? Like, it's still Mike White here, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I get that. But maybe Mike White is the truth. <laughs> That's yeah, the very well here. could be. You know, you know why this is close? Is because I actually think the Jets have way more talent than the Vikings. The Vikings are a team that have a couple of sick guys. They have Jefferson, and they have Cook, and then the rest of their team sucks. They have Kirk Cousins, who's okay and shows up every once in a while. And some nights he's uh, he's better than people say he is. Other nights he's worse than people say he is. Blah, 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 blah. Thielen is fine. TJ Hawkinson. He's been good. Fine. Just fine. Just a fine football player, TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> I'm saying that they have two special talents on the Vikings. Right. Two guys that are amazing. The rest of their team pretty much sucks. Their defense is unbelievably soft and their secondary is beyond horrific. The Jets have a lot of special dudes. Their defense, their front seven, special. Sauce Gardner, special. Garrett Wilson, special player. Really good player. Mike White, special question mark. Potentially fun of the season. Anyway, I, I've have vowed never to bet on Vikings games again. It is it's like my it's it's my only thing I need to actually follow through on because I, I've never won a Vikings bet and I've bet on them a billion times in my life. It's, this, I, this is 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. I don't care. I, this I, is not prime not, time Kirk I, I do not care. I cannot do this. But if I was betting it, Boff, I think I would actually just be going plus 140 Jets W. Mm. Mike White, 
storms to victory. He and Garrett Wilson continue the connection. I wish they didn't lose Brees Hall, man. Mm, it would be yeah. so much more fun watching this Jets team with Brees Hall anyway. Uh, that was Time for Action, brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19+. plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. When we come back, um, did the Raptors ever seriously pursue a Mitchell trade? And what the hell do they do with Gary Trent? Michael Grange, next. It was nice to see the Raptors with players last night. I'll be honest. I like, I haven't really been enjoying watching Raptors games with such an incomplete squad. It's like, okay, you squint and say, oh, geez, looked a little bit better. He's taking on some more of the offense with some guys being out. Some nights that's looked really good. His defense has always been there. There just, there, there has not been an abundance of things that entertain even I thought we were going to get a ton of Banton, and I've just, I'm very intrigued by Delano Banton. And he has an awesome game. I can't remember which game it even was. It'll blend into one another now. Plays incredibly well and then hurt immediately after. Raptors had players last night. And Siakam, obviously, his, his return, it jumps to the top of the pile 18, 11, and 5. And yeah, how he got his 18 was very sexy, especially the second quarter. How he got those five assists was also pretty nice. Uh, Michael Grange wrote a nice little piece on it uh, with some semblance of health. The Raptors look to ready to build momentum. Michael Grange joins me now. What's up, buddy? How are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, JD? I'm well. I'm well. Because, yeah, I got to watch good sports last night. It was nice. Leafs played well. Uh, Marner was great. They got goaltending. And then I did my sit down, watched the Raptors after Leafs talk was done. And nobody spoiled the game for me. I muted everyone on Twitter. I just did, you know, mute raps, Raptors, Siakam. I got a little Gary Trent stuff that trickled into the feed, and I'll discuss that with you in a little bit. But for the most part, great, because Siakam looked awesome. And so this is actually one of the things I want to start with with Siakam, because uh, it's, it's so clear how his game has just taken such incredible strides offensively and, yeah, the, the player that he is. But do you think that we underappreciate sometimes how great an athlete he is? Hmm. Um, I don't. I okay. don't think. I mean, I don't think people do. The, uh, you know, he's he's maybe in the sense of like, like I mean, I get an opportunity to see him do some pretty funky things. Like, I, I always remember, <laughs> um, and he's doing it now, but it's part of his pregame warm-up where he kind of juggles a soccer ball and, yeah. and kind of half-follows it and he dunks it. And, but I remember a couple of years ago, TFC was at the uh, Raptors practice facility and they were doing some kind of uh, crossover promotion. And, and uh, you know, they rolled, a, you know, there's a soccer ball in the vicinity and he started, you know, he just tapped it up to himself and started juggling it. It wasn't just like his right foot over and over again. It was right foot, left foot, shoulder, you know, bounce on the back. Like it was like the full meal. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just watching this, and it's like it's like the guy's six yeah. ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, um, and and I asked him. I said, "Well, when's the last time you had a soccer ball like you know on your foot?" And he, he couldn't even remember. Like in other words, yeah, you know, something too. that like really good soccer players, like people who spend you know hours and, and are really committed to it. You know, he could do just because he used to do it when he was a kid a decade mm-hmm. ago. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I think we probably take, you know, I don't take for granted. But people may not realize is, you know, there's just a level of dexterity and coordination that, you know, is, is included in that 
pretty impressive physical package. And, you know, it shows up in, in some of the moves he can make, the, the way he can spin and stop on it to stop and, and fade and, um, you know, the kind of touch he can put on the ball that, uh, you know, is, is a separator, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the NBA is full of athletes, like guys who test off the charts and measure off the charts, you know, but what really makes it such a, you know, for me, even 20-plus years covering it, um, I my brain still gets blown is is that inside these one in multiple million packages are just simple not simple but like the most intangible athletic gifts that make some of these guys quite literally uh, one in a billion and and Siakam is not far from that, that yeah. kind of category. No, see, th- that last part is especially kind of what I am trying to zero in on here today is I- I'm watching him last night and he's just, he's so fluid at his size and he's such a good runner and his, yeah, his athleticism, his cardio, whatever, it just, he came off of an injury that I'm guessing he could not do cardio the same way. And I know he played 30 minutes, so they were obviously being a little bit cautious with him. But there was just no signs of it, right? And this is kind of my case is Siakam's not a dunker, right? He's not someone who gets to the basket and just throws down. And I think a lot of times in the NBA, the way that we view, you know, who are the best athletes, it's through the lens of who is the closest to what Derrick Rose was in his prime, right? Who's the John Morant? Who's the Russell Westbrook? Who are those guys? The, the, who are the Giannis's of the league? And and that's not taking anything away from those guys because clearly they're freaks, right? It's part of the reason that I, I love the league the way that I do is that you have the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of athletes on the planet and then those guys combine those skills with a, a million other different things. But Siakam to me is a special athlete for a lot of the reasons that you outlined and a lot of the things that were on display yesterday. And, and I just... Yeah, you're you're probably right in terms of it's not under or misunderstood around a small select few group of people, but I don't think that if I hate that I'm framing this in the way that I you normally push back against Raptors fans because everything's always about credit, but that is the one thing I really do believe is overlooked when it comes to his game. What, just his his overall talent? His overall like, athleticism and just, yeah. you know, how unique he is in the NBA. Yeah, no, he's he's up there. I mean, I mean, I think there's some, you know, he's got a, he's, you know, he look, he, he's a guy who is able, at his size, to bring soft skills, and I don't mean that in any kind of like pejorative way. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, like like Demar Derozan as an example. I mean, Demar was obviously, I would say, probably a little bit more explosive, certainly when he was younger. But the reason DeMar DeRozan is offensively, you know, a master, you know, he literally is one of the most skilled offensive players in the world um, is because he's able to manage his footwork, his touch, his rhythm, um, his handle in a way that no single defender can possibly stop. And I, and I don't think that, Pascal Siakam is at that level, but I think what's really, you know, when it's always worth reminding um, with Pascal is, so he's 28 now, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and I, I wrote a huge feature on him last year. I was just little, had a reason to look over it again, and it still kind of jumps out. You know, his path is basically didn't play basketball at 16, and in less than 10 years was an All NBA player. 
Yep. Like he went from not a basketball player, like not, to one of the top ten. He was second team All NBA. Um, one of the top ten players by definition in the whole world. And you know, and, and the role, and I think I, I think one of some of the reasons he had some of those struggles uh, that you know were so you know a year ago at this time when he came back from injury. Think of all the question marks that were assigned to Pascal Siakam, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had a, a you know the first ten games he came back from shoulder surgery, he was not good, and that was all in the context of all the you know the drama that had taken place in the past the eighteen months before that. And so, you know, if we were having this conversation a year ago, I'm sure there's a tape of one somewhere. Uh, we'd all be going, you know, is he the real deal? Can he, you know, we, we, it, it would just be all qualified and with all kinds of doubts. Um, but part of the reasons he, you know, we were having those questions um, were he was learning how to do the job he's doing now. And the reason he was learning to do it is because he'd never done it before. And every other guy, I can say that, without exception, maybe Giannis, maybe, um, you know, grew up his, their entire basketball lives doing exactly, you know, if you're you you know if you're an NBA superstar, an all-NBA player, your role hasn't changed since you were like nine. Yeah, <laughs> you're the exactly. best player, and all you ever had to do was refine being the best player because that's who you are, and that's how you were, you know, you were introduced to basketball, and, and Siakam was a miles and miles and miles from that for a whole bunch of reasons and that's why he's still got upside right like i mean he's he's going to be getting better and i think the the jump you've seen this year is just an indication of of uh you know what it can look like when when it comes together and and you know i I don't think this is the end of you know anything i think it's more the beginning yeah um i i got a little yeah i was just being reflective about that stuff last night and even a little sentimental about it during the second quarter he had those four baskets in a row where they're all just very pretty. They were different. One was kind of at the end of the shot clock, that corner three. But then the next three baskets he scores were just like beautiful. And it's weird that he reminds me sometimes of DeMar DeRozan, like that you bring up DeMar in terms of some of those skills. Because, yeah, he is someone who when he came in the league, uh, when they threw him the ball down in that like dunker area, he'd be four feet away from the basket. And you would go, do not shoot. <laughs> like, do do not do not shoot. He was a fast break player that you would kind of hope that you could hit him in stride as he was going to the basket because he had high end speed for a forward, but nobody saw these offensive skills coming. And that's why I kind of brought up the athleticism today is because I think that he's been able to combine that scoring package into, yeah, a, a different type of NBA athlete. Anyways, um, they haven't had, and, well, you know, and I'll just add one point to that. JD, yeah. cause I do, I think it's an important direction you're going with all of that is, yeah is the, the next element, and we've seen it better this year or more this year than, than ever, is the level of decision-making that um, he, the quality of it. The, you know, how, how good was it last night, that touch pass? Is, yeah, because, you know, it's not just, it, that's a great play. That's an instinct play. But, but, you know, we've also seen him against a stack defense, against a shot clock, against a game mm-hmm. clock. You know, just dissect. You know, he's playing chess. And... Like I can't even begin to explain how rare that those qualities are, and then when you factor in as we discussed how he's kind of late into these these things, um, you know, like you look at OG Ananobi, who's you know amazing in his own way, but we can see him struggle with all the decision making you have to make as a primary offensive option, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so so again, like his his intellect. 
his determination, his skill, um, all at six ten and, and tireless is is you know it's it's pretty special. Yeah, it is. Um, and you're right. Him going up against defenses that are geared up in a half court setting. That is more important when it comes to this, uh, the demonstration of the, the basketball IQ and how far he's taken a stride as a lead scorer. And this is not to disparage OG Ananobi, who has looked good in his absence, but it's just a different level of enjoyment for someone like me to watch Siakam last night than it is watching OG try to run the offense during his absence. Yeah, uh, and as it should be. Yeah. I mean, OG's, you know, he's young in his development in the sure. solo areas too. But even still, Siakam, in terms of, you're right, the rarity of this sort of development is, yeah, <laughs> he's going to make general managers uh, take make horrific picks, you know, because some guys are going to see a flash of a Siakam in the future, kind of like, uh, oh, this, we don't need to rehash this, but sort of like uh, when Masai missed on Giannis, couldn't draft Giannis and then had to draft Bruno and went, whatever, I'm just going to try to continue down this path. But yes, yeah, Siakam at some point, sometime, some general manager is going to see a little flash of Siakam in somebody else, a little bit of that work ethic, a little bit of that athleticism, a little bit of that size and say, what if maybe I can turn him into him? And no, I, I do think that he is a very, very special and very unique player. So without him these last 10 games, um, is there anything that you've learned about the Raps uh, given all these injuries? Because this is kind of the one that I'm, I'm having trouble with, with these sample sizes is what what do we actually even know about this team given how many different starting lineups how many different rotation players have been missing is is there anything that you feel sure of right now you know i think they can be really good like really good and the reason i say that is they have an absolutely ingrained like tattooed (laughs) style of play um, that is, I think, pretty unique in the NBA. And they have the personnel to play it. And if anything, these last 10 games, when they haven't had their personnel, uh, to me shows that they're on to something that will translate. Um, I'm not saying how it's going to, you know, what the end of that will be. But, and I, I just was looking this up the other day. And before going into last night, they were 28th in the NBA in effective field goal percentage. In other words, they can't shoot, <laughs> and or they couldn't. You know, this is in. You know, this is on the season. They're 27th in defensive uh, field goal percentage. So other teams are scoring. Sorry, and uh, you know, and this is all exacerbated in the last 10 games when Siakam's been out. But they're number one in offensive rebounds, number one in opponent turnover percentage, number one in opponent field goal percentage. They take 10 more shots a game than the other team takes. Like, that's a massive, massive difference. That's like, you know, presuming you're going to make at least half of those, that's 10 points a game right there. Um, so, and just to kind of illustrate how messed up that is, like last year, Orlando chose number one, they were 28th in effective field goal percentage. Uh, the team that was, you know, bottom four in defensive field goal percentage was Sacramento. It's like, the last team that was bottom four in both of those categories was Cleveland. They picked number three that year. They got Evan, Evan Mobley. So, like, it pro, those numbers profile as a really bad team. <laughs> and yet, they were five and five in that stretch. Uh, and now they're getting their players back. And, and I would only wager, and I think we saw some signs last night, that 
you know, those defensive numbers and the offensive numbers will, you know, graduate to the middle. Mm-hmm. And presuming the other stuff profiles in terms of all the stuff that lead to their this massive shot differential they enjoy every night, you know, if they can maintain those while being at least average in those other two areas, you know, they can win a ton of games. Like, like they were the fact that they were 500, you know, while being so poor in those two super significant areas uh, because of how good they are in these other areas. Um, you know, just let you know how much meat there is on the bone there. And I think, um, you know, there's no reason I don't see, you know, if anything with the personnel they're getting back, uh, they should be better in, in, you know, they should maintain their advantage in terms of all the categories they're good in. And it's impossible that they won't get better in the categories they're struggling in right now. And and, um, just on the defensive side, I think we saw that last night and, you know, uh, that's you're still waiting for Preston Sichua to come back. You're still waiting for Otto Porter to to come back. Um, you know, I think, you know, I just think that that that's what jumped out to me these last ten games is their style of play is unique. It's their own. They're committed to it. And um, you know, when the talent profile jumps as it did last night, um, you know, they they have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's really well said. The positive regression for the mean uh, does show you a little bit of a higher ceiling with this team. I also just love how even when they lose guys, there there is almost an accountability culture with this team of you've got to play tough, you've got to play hard. And when you don't, you're out, even when it's a short bench. So I, I just that to me is going to translate. I've said this before, but they're in the Western Conference. We would be talking about them as a title team. And it's because they're in the East where there's Boston and there's Milwaukee that they're going to lose a little bit of that shine. But you're right. This this Raptors team does look like they can be really good. Um, that said, yeah, the scoring thing is, yeah, I think it'll get better. I think that it'll regress positively. But it's it's still a situation where they don't have enough guys who can shoot. And there's probably, they are missing more creators, especially given what Gary Trent's been this season. Um, and last night, going to that game, you, you can't help but think about even though Donovan Mitchell played poorly, how brilliant he's been so far this season and how low the asking price was, all things considering. And I know that those pieces have turned into good things, but I don't believe that Utah made that trade with the intention of turning Laurie Markkinen into like a, a franchise player. I think that was just a stroke of luck. Um, do you think the Raps pursued a Mitchell trade this past offseason uh, at, at all in, in any seriousness? I don't think it was all that serious. I mean, obviously they were monitoring as you would. It's crazy now too. Um, but, you know, there's two things, I think, when I was talking to anyone close to that situation that, that, you know, stuck with me is, one, how highly the Raptors value two-way players. And, you know, and, and what gets overlooked a little bit with the decision to trade DeRozan, if we're, you know, because to me that's like a, you know, that's a, a seminal moment for this franchise is is that in the end, it was the fact that they couldn't trust him as a two-way player. And they made the conclusion at the highest levels that they can't win, you can't win, when you have a guy who simply can't mind his own yard. And, you know, that's no disrespect to DeMar. Like, I, you know, he's made my favorite athlete, my favorite athlete I've ever covered. But that was the conclusion that um, they made as an organization. And so, you know, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's certainly capable of being a defender. I think he's been a little bit better with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, they're set up to support his weaknesses, you know, pretty well. 
Um, but I think that was one factor. And then I think offensively, you know, as explosive as he is, he is going, you, you know, he'll put up a lot of 11 of 24s, right? Um, and that's, again, this guy is, he's probably going to, he's three-time all-star. He's going to be a four-time all-star. He might be an NBA player. Um, you know, he's got all the attributes that you're looking for. But um, I think when you're looking at, you know, I, I, you know, the issue with from the Raptors' point of view is they have one. If they're going to go down the road of requiring a savior, so to speak, um, you can do it only once, right? And you look at what was it three firsts unprotected and two pick swaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that takes you out of the game, right? You're not making any more big deals after that. And I just think that they came came to the conclusion internally that, you know, he wasn't the person they wanted to make that, that forever move on. Mm. I I would say that for me, when I'm looking at it, and I know you're just reporting that's what, you know, their, their line of thinking is. That's a little scary to me because I like to believe anyway that guys can be amplifiers with a group like this, like that they don't necessarily need the savior, but they need another guy who can score and who can create, and that that's going to continue to be an issue when they get to the postseason is that, when you're the tougher team and you're the team that plays hard all the time um, but still relies on a guy who is probably, what, you, do you think Fred is six feet? I don't, I don't think so. But, yeah, someone who's that height, who has worn down historically over the past, hey, you're going to struggle to score again in those moments and that it's going to be a lot on Siakam's shoulders and if he has a game like he did early in the Philly series, then it's going to look really, really bad. And maybe they don't find the perfect guy who's two ways, but yeah, a lot of times with really great scorers, they're they're not the perfect two-way player throughout the regular season, and they can elevate that a little bit come playoff time. So um, yeah, maybe he's not the miss. Maybe this is uh, the right move to continue to be patient and someone else does come along. But yeah, I, I think that there is an opportunity cost here at some point, especially with this core. Um, Gary Trent Jr., uh, this is the other part of it. They thought, I'm guessing, that he was going to score a little bit more for them, that he was maybe going to be a little bit more consistent for them. There's been, there was that one incredibly, uh, yeah, I, I'll just say it, harsh. It was a harsh Nick Nurse coach. He's been harsh before. He clearly has that equity within the organization. Um, it still is weird in 2022 to see a coach say those things like that publicly, right, where he goes, if, if he doesn't play more actively defensively, he won't fit in with our group. Like this goes to what we're talking about a little bit earlier with Donovan Mitchell, right, is, hey, maybe they're not going to, uh, they're not going to entertain these kind of players for very long. What What do you think his future is with the team? And if it's not here... What's the value? Um, you know, I think I think you know when Nick made those comments, you know that that's you can safely assume those discussions have been internal. Of like, course. you know what I mean. Like, there's that that was not like him talking off the top of his head. No, I don't think Gary uh, Trent Jr. was shocked when he, no, <laughs> I, like I asked Nick the question, and you know he was like almost looking for an opportunity to put that out there, um, <laughs> and and and. You know, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, when they, you know, made the interested decision to how to, you know, they altered their lineup last night. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the logic he explained, which I thought was pretty sound, he didn't want to have a bunch of guys who hadn't been playing all together in one lineup. You know, that didn't apply to Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Gary Trent Jr. has been back and out. Like, he was, he was out for performance reasons. He just has not been good. Um so, you know, but I think it's so his, term, his future is, is is very simple. Like if he he's 
let's just say we can assume that he's been challenged internally, right? Like if Nick Nurse is saying that stuff publicly, you know, there has been conversations internally and saying, look, you know, you're, you, if you want to have a role on this team, if you want to be the player, you want to get paid like the player you think you are, you better perform like it. And, um, you know, and Gary Trent, Gary Trent is like, I really like the kid. He is a good dude. Um, he is a hard worker. And, you know, and he's the son of a pro. Like, none of this is a mystery to him. So I don't think he's the type that's going to, you know, get his feelings all hurt and, and you know, you know, you're not going to hear from him again. And I thought it was pretty telling that he hit the floor last night and he hit the floor literally. Like I thought, I thought he played with a level of hustle. We haven't seen much this year. And, you know, he steps in and hits his first three. I mean, he, he got off the ball really quick. Like I thought he was very effective in that role. So um, his future in the team is in the next month to six weeks to eight weeks. Can he play closer to the guy who you saw for good chunks last year in terms of a defender, a pest? a guy who put in effort mm-hmm. and then offensively, can it be like the guy he was the first 10 games of this year when he's shooting like, you know, 44% for three and averaging 20 a game. You know, if there's some combination of that guy and he shows up for long stretches in whatever role he gets, well then he's, yeah, for sure. He's got a future with this team, right? Mm-hmm. You got his bird rights. He's young. Um, and he has a skill. The Raptors are short on. If they conclude in that process that, you know, they, he's not someone they want to throw 120 million bucks at. Uh, they'll trade him, and um, you know, and, and there'll be a market out there for the reasons there would be because he's 23, 24 years old. He's can, he can really shoot. Uh, he's a good citizen, and um, you know, like somebody's going to be interested. He can go be a good citizen somewhere else. 120 million dollars. This is my strongest opinion in the entire city. No. Um, no, please, God, no. Uh, yeah, like there is nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and you know, I'm not, I, I'm not saying you're off on that. Like, yeah. I, like I, you know, the, the 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 chances of the Raptors signing him to, uh, you know, a you know, hundred million plus deal to me are a little bit remote. Like, oh. I, I mean, he would just have to be yeah. unbelievable uh, between now and around the trade deadline. But yeah. he, you know, quite obviously, he is the Raptors' most easily tradable piece. Yep. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is, is if you can't replace him with someone who's actually better, yep. uh, then, you know, you, yeah, you got to keep him and play him and, and uh, you know, and, and hope he can help you win while you got him. My, my hope is, is that what they can do is find uh, a good player that they can bring in and use him in a salary match. Um, and maybe they, you know, have to throw in a pick. Maybe it's two for somebody. And I don't know who this player is, and they probably have to add another contract to it. Maybe whatever. But that it's it's a little similar for me anyways to what they had hoped to do anyways with Goran Dragic, although a much better player. The issue is what you said is on paper, he just he has a skill set that they really need. Um, there are nights where he flashes and you go, oh, right, they could really use this guy. Hell, even if you remember in the playoffs last year, he was very unafraid at times. And I think the son of a pro thing, the Duke thing, like those things matter when the chips are down with a group like this. It's just, yeah, um, I, I, I don't see the consistency with that player. And unfortunately, because that skill set is so highly paid and coveted around the league. Um, yeah, I just, I, I can't see a scenario with the future of that. And maybe I'm just uh, a little bit, burnt by the Leafs doing own rentals year over year and, and how those things can kind of end up hurting you. If you're not a all in for a championship team, 
I, I think that you kind of have to find ways to roll those assets over, and maybe that's what they do with Trent. Uh, Grange, the piece that's up right now, um, is awesome. The work has been uh, predictably great. Thanks so much for making time today, man. Anytime, JD. Have a great day. See you, pal. Uh, Michael Grange. Yeah. I, I There is no reality. I don't care what Gary Trent Jr. does from now to the trade deadline. That gets him $120. Or $120. $120, you could talk. $120 million. Absolutely not. No chance. And Grange just said it. It's remote, right? But... Like he said, if Nurse is saying those things to Gary Trent Jr. in the media or he's saying that to the media, they have spoken publicly about it. Nick Nurse is a different kind of coach. He's won a championship. He has a lot of weight here in Toronto. But Gary, if they looked at Donovan Mitchell as this guy doesn't fit with what we're trying to do, I promise you Gary Trent Jr. does not. Like, I, I promise you that. So, yes, some things are attractive. You know, you go bird rights and young and shooting. And those are things you say when you're on the phone with the other GM trying to make that trade. Gary Trent Jr. got to go. No question about it in my mind. He is 100% unequivocally someone that needs to be traded this season for the Toronto Raptors. I don't care if he's a good guy. That's not a thing for me. Like, great, good. Guess who else is good guys? Lots of people. Pete's a great guy. He's useless. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it is not important when it comes to when the chips are down and who you do, who you need to win. Like it's a nice bonus feature to have as a part of your culture. No, Gary Trent Jr. You take his contract. You look around the league. You wait for someone to become available, and you either if nobody is there that you view as a star that you're putting other trade pieces into whatever, then you try to roll them into somebody else that you view as a better signing for you. You do what they did with Norm Powell. You push the, you push the problem down the line. You make sure that you don't lose a good player for nothing Mm -hmm. because they're going to get paid too much. And yeah, same thing with Norm. I was a huge Norm Powell fan, much more than I am a Gary Trent jr. Fan. And they did the right thing with him. They traded him at the right time. They grabbed Gary Trent jr. They extended him. And they, they kept a good player on this core. They can't afford to lose him for nothing. They're just not a deep enough team, right? Like they can't just, they, this isn't hockey where you can just go get a guy who is the exact same-ish to the depth player that you had before, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to roll him into somebody else. And so how that happens or when that happens, I'm not sure. But yeah, to me, Gary Trent is a, is a clear goner. To you, is this a trade deadline problem or is this a soon as possible problem? No, it's not as soon as possible. He's not so bad that you need to get him no, off the team. No, I know. I'm just, I'm wondering like. Yeah. No, well, this is a, if something was to arise at mm-hmm. the right time, then you definitely. Okay. Here's, here's what is probably true. This is a probably, this is a guess. Mm-hmm. Other GMs know they can call on Gary Trent. Okay. Like they, they know. Yeah. It's just the Raptors are a cone of silence. Very little gets out. Hell, like what? When did the McMenamin report come out just the other day about how the Raps offered a first and Ken Birch for oh, Taylor Horton Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. That came out a, like a year later, a, a year after the, the Lakers, yeah. after the Raptors wanted him in the Lowry trade and the saying. Lakers were like, he's untouchable. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy Lakers. And then they turned him into Patrick Beverly. Good yeah. stuff. Lakers really killing it. He's a great. <laughs> It's a really, really smart front office that knows how to manage assets. Anyway, yeah. the to me, they clearly have four guys that work extremely well together, and they've got to try to find the other pieces around them. 
It's a, it's a bit a far be it for me to judge Masai Ujiri. I know that we love to do that in the city if you can't really question anything the Raptors do. But there, to me, there is a bit of an opportunity cost happening here with the likes of missing out on Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Herter types mm-hmm. just because they can't also play defense. This is something I'm going to go over a little bit more detail next time I have Blake in here is um, how we feel about some missed chances. But no, dude, yeah, does... Donovan Mitchell have off nights? Sure. Stars have off nights. But the Raptors need more crunch time scoring options. Maybe OG develops into a little bit more of that. We saw flashes of it. Obviously, Barnes, the hope is that he gets there eventually. It's not close now. They're they're not winning a championship if Scotty Barnes has to be the number two right now. It doesn't look that way anyways. Mm. And Fred, as good as he can be offensively and as important he is to this team, we've seen it come playoff time where he can wear down with injuries and that size can be a limiting factor, especially. And when you combine those two things, it's really, really tough to win. So anyway, I, I still think they need another guy. I think everybody agrees that they need somebody else who can score. Your hope was that it was going to be Gary Trent Jr. To me, he's, he's, not, he's not the one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy that has to go out the door. He's the one that you have to figure out how to roll over into somebody else. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's do what we missed. Sportsnet 590, the fan. I just want to say quickly, too, because I know we're going to do Matt Murray here, the 32 Thoughts stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually, I only listened to the very beginning of it. I hadn't listened to 32 Thoughts yet. I still have it in the downloads. I listened to the first five seconds of that clip that you guys sent me, and I went, no, oh, hold on. <laughs> save it for the show. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. But Matt Murray has just been so good lately. Incredible. It's, yeah. I, I tweeted this last night, but. It's it's still weird for me watching games going, these have huge advantage in that tonight. Mm-hmm. Like every single game. He's proving me wrong big time. While you were on camp, this is never going to work? Yeah, I was, unashamedly, yeah. Before, like during the summer. But I'm it's funny. more I than had, happy that he's... I had takes wrong. of... I don't have to ever regret my Murray take because it was very simple, which is I wish that Dubas found a way to get the sense to eat more money. But given the options this year in the goaltending market... It wasn't a bad flyer. Mm-hmm. I liked the Samsonov one. I was excited to see with one of those two guys, could they possibly do it? Maybe the injury happens, and you can still be critical when you bring in an injury-prone player and they get hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that's an excuse for someone like Dubas, right? If if he goes down with an injury, he can't perform. That's on you, dude. You went out and rolled the dice on a player like that. But as of right now, they've just, the way they're playing defensively, where they're just packing the middle of the ice and they're not giving up crazy home run opportunities. They're not letting teams go, you know, a high danger spot or making Murray move aggressively across his crease and have to show off crazy athleticism. He's made a couple of those saves, by the way. Should be mentioned. I'm just saying that it's not a regular... He's not. He doesn't have to swim in the net. Mm-hmm. He looks big in there. He looks good in there. He looks confident in there. Uh, it's looking really good. He's so big that he's just ripping his posts off his moorings. And so, yeah, they, they talked about it. I, this, is, this is where I go, Toronto, is I actually, okay, this is going to piss some people off. Uh, I'm going to go with this theory, actually, maybe a little bit more expansive um, in a, with a guest or something, maybe a different day. I actually think Toronto's not getting enough media coverage right now. I'm dead serious. Yeah. Do you know why? Because this is what happens when they're good. When they're doing poorly, people want to talk a lot about them because then it interests every part of the hockey world. Mm -hmm. 
the locals, the fans, whatever, people, it's easy to talk about a team when they're doing poorly. The Leafs have been so good in so many regular seasons that, and especially, I really do think that the Canadians won is what really did it in. Last year was not the same, right? Last year was yeah. a good season. They lost to Tampa in a game seven where they performed much better. It was a very different year. But the, the Montreal exit really screwed them over because they were in the North Division and people like me were dancing on tabletops going, <laughs> they're going to win two Stanley Cups, one for the North Division uh, where they own every team in Canada and the other one when they actually finish first in the NHL and they win the bubble cup. Um, I thought they were going to sweep that year, to be honest. Yeah, of course. Who didn't? Yeah. You yeah. Four nothing, up and down. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a monumental joke by the Leafs. It's, yeah. it's really the darkest. It's one of the darkest things on the team's resume ever. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. Maybe the darkest. So much worse. So, so, so much worse than blowing 4-1 against Boston in 2013. 100%. 100%. Like non-comparable things. Um, but... The Leafs are good in the regular season right now, and you'll see all these articles. Like, I saw one place talking about, you know, the best Canadian teams and discussing maybe it's the Jets, and I went, it is not the Jets. It is the Leafs. Stop it. (laughs) And the Leafs have just been really good, and they've been quietly good, and Marner's been awesome, and they're stacking regular season stats, but they're winning in a different way. And, yes, do the Leafs still always have a lot of pub because of – the city they're in, that there's, you know, nonstop radio, whatever. There's always people talking about them. Mm-hmm. That's not my point. I mean, when hockey sometimes has to try to, like, look for stories outside of the Maple Leafs and what's the biggest story in hockey right now. And, yeah, do the Dallas Stars get as much coverage? So do you need to make sure that there's more Robertson coverage than there is, you know, people already knowing about Dennis Malgan here? Mm-hmm. For sure. I just mean that the level of excitement around this Leafs team right now by the media when they're stacking them against the best teams in the NHL so far this season. Just like, it's new, so it's different. But think about how excited everybody has been about the Devils or what the conversation has been like about the Bruins Mm -hmm. versus the Leafs, where they're kind of viewed as, oh, and they're in the under contender tier. No, the Leafs are one of the best five teams in the NHL this season. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And as far as the way that they're playing right now, and the way that they're stress testing this team with some of these injuries early, everybody always gets mad at me because they say, you know, I go highs and lows, but it's whatever. I think that this is, this group this year looks to me outside of the Montreal season like it's their best chance of winning that we've yeah. ever seen. That's genuinely how I feel about it. And so, yeah, I do think that they're a little overlooked anyways. Um, but when they're not overlooked, it's things like this, the Matt Murray story. Okay, so Elliot talked about it. Yeah, obviously the uh, Minnesota Wild game where Matt Murray knocked knocked the net off yeah. the hinges multiple times. <laughs> yeah, um, Elliot Freeman on Think three, right? Was, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, three the times Thirty-two Thoughts podcast. He kind of had an explanation for the Leafs goalie. Roll it. And one of the things I heard was that there are some buildings that have reputations where the net might go off more often than in some other buildings. And I don't know if it's an ice quality thing or a peg quality thing. All I'll say is this. (laughs) I did have a couple of teams tell me that there are some buildings where they think the nets get off easier than others simply because of building conditions or ice quality or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you some of the ranks that people gave me, and then the teams can reach out and yell at me. Uh, (laughs) Minnesota was one, New Jersey was one, Tampa Bay was one, and Nashville was one. 
those were some of the buildings where a couple teams told me that nets tend to come off more than others. And again, I don't want to impugn the ice crews or the people who work hard there. I think this is might be more <laughs> of an environment question as opposed to a human question. Hey, justice for Matt Murray. Exactly. <laughs> Absolved. Mm-hmm. He's innocent. They were exactly. calling for his head. Scrub, they were calling scrub for his head. the record against Matt Murray. Elliot Freeman has reported it. I love how Elliot is couching it so much in there like this is not against the hard-working arena people guess what those arena people don't work that hard i saw that guy with the water <laughs> bottle go over there in the heater and where he just kind of walked over it was pretty lackadaisically yeah. and he looked Murray annoyed pre- that they kept yeah, calling he did. him out yeah he, the third time he came out he looked pissed off i'm not <laughs> i don't need to protect that guy that guy stinks yeah. at his job be better hey number one in bad reputation minnesota maybe get a guy that's not so sour all the time yeah. whenever the net gets knocked off poor matt murray you know he's a big guy in there he's just trying to do his job he knocks off Minnesota's crappy nets that they never have fixed, <laughs> that they have a horrific reputation for. And now Matt Murray's got to get labeled as a, you know, a guy who skirts the rules. Justice for Matt Murray. There's See, people calling for like serious suspensions no, on Twitter. And I was like, I was like, whoa, go like to moon jail. That's mm-hmm. moon jail. Moon jail. Oh, jail. That's immediate moon jail. You're trying to get a suspension for yeah, a bowling it was crazy. The it was crazy. The mornings. I can't remember. I saw one last night, just a highlight. Spencer Knight. Yeah. Yeah. In Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, that one was actually bad. <laughs> that one was bad. He's yeah. the cheater. Okay. Yeah. We should be focusing Keep an on, eye on him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Matt Murray. I, hey, you know what? Matt Murray's kind of a hero because he raised awareness about the other goalies that are cheating and doing it in the places that don't have the bad reputation in the sour water. He sacrificed himself so that That's other right. people would exactly. Get. He did it so that he could raise the awareness against about the cheaters. Anyways, you suck, Minnesota. Anyways, <laughs> next. Uh, Tiger Woods, unfortunate yeah, injury. He has plantar fasciitis. Fasciitis. Fasciitis? No. Fasciitis. <laughs> <laughs> he add an L in there? Why are you adding letters? The he font is pretty small okay. on my computer. Oh, as well. the font. I blame the font. Okay, okay, yeah. I don't have my fasciitis. Hey, guess who controls that and does that? I you. just increased <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there wow, is okay. no extra. Oh, All right. I spelt it in crash. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good try. He withdrew from the Hero World Challenge, um, but he plans to still compete in the match and the PNC Championship with his son in December. Um, He's ranked number 1,277th now in the world. That's that's BS. That's stupid. Um, But do you think he's done? In terms of winning major championships? Will he ever win another major, do you think? No. No chance. That's done for sure. Uh Um, Dude, you know how I know it's done? His tournament goal is to play in the match. (laughs) (laughs) That's his bar now. Brent Gunning was devastated yesterday by this news, losing him from the hero whatever championship. Who knows what the it's, hell that it's, is? It's the one that he hosts. Yeah. Like it's his golf tournament. Yeah, no. it's uh, <laughs> Poor Guns. He's still going to host it, though. Guns was probably sitting there just ready to rock and roll for this. He would have watched every minute of it, guaranteed. <laughs> and now he gets nothing. Um, this this just sucks. It's sad. But it was inevitable. Yeah. Um, this just happens with athletes like Kobe and athletes like Tiger where they defied the odds for so long. They were able to overcome injuries and you go, I still remember when Kobe tore his Achilles saying, if anyone comes back from it, it'll be Kobe. Mm. And then he came back that following season and it's papered over because he had the 60 point, you know, finale game. But mm-hmm. that entire year was, Oh my God. So bad. Yeah. It, it was, was so bad every single night. And so that's what it is with Tiger. 
I'll always be happy when he has a moment, but I think that's the goal that you're always going to be shooting for mm -hmm. is that he just gives you that little bit of glimmer of hope mm -hmm. that whenever he enters, if he can be in a major, that you get a Thursday or a Friday where he, he makes a little bit of a move and you can talk yourself into it, but no, I, I don't think that his body will ever be able to hold up. And I think that even for somebody like him, you think about why Tiger was great. It's because he put in rep, 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 never stopped to the point where it, it really affected his body. And yeah, this one has to do obviously more with the car accident. Mm -hmm. but, Same foot. Yeah. But even still, his body is worn down. He's almost 50 years old. His goal is to play with his son and be at the match, which is a TV only product who God knows who's watching that at this <laughs> Point, uh, for it's, it's really cool how his son Charlie like wears like the same red shirt and has like yeah. the exact same motions. Yeah, I, I always find like the, be a star. I love, I love those pictures are so that. cool. I love though. when people say that it's you look like your parents. Okay, well, I wasn't wow, saying that Jesus. anyway. That's done. Next, <laughs> um, Fred Van Vliet was on How Hungry yeah. Are You with Serge Ibaka, mm -hmm. and Serge asked Fred if Kawhi had stayed, if they would have gone back to back. If Kawhi stayed, do we go back to back? I like that. Twippy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was just a perfect that was good. That was good group play. of individuals, and we all understood. Everybody had the, the right mindset for the roles. I think definitely we would want a few more. What was the worst? Losing in the bubble or not making the playoffs? Dang, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Why do we have more? I think losing the... Yeah. Well, um, it was an interesting interview. Uh, they talked about... No, I know. I just, was, we just do a choir. We just do in the whole piece. We were going to critique out every... I just was listening to that, and I thought he was going to go in more detail. Listen, that's kind of stock answer for athletes is to say they would have won. That's sort of stock answer for Toronto to say that they would have won at least another one. I don't think it's out of the question they would have done that, but it, it would have been pretty difficult. It's hard to believe that they would have beat Giannis. I'm still a firm believer that they win in the bubble, though. Yeah, the yeah. bubble was I'm still really a firm believer. One. Yeah. Three in a row is incredible. And the bubble only would have really counted had the, it been the Raptors because they won the legitimate title the year before. Yeah. And now the bubble championship doesn't count. Lakers destroyed their franchise for a fraud championship. You, you hate to see it. Some people say they, it was like the toughest still. championship, though. Yeah, some people are one guy named LeBron. And he's a liar. <laughs> he's literally the world's most famous liar. That was good basketball, though. That was good basketball in the bubble. Was it? It yeah. was. The 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 was it? the Bubble Suns. Remember that? Yeah. Well, okay. Devin Booker. All right. If you guys no. say so. I, I I don't think it was. Anyway, uh, we're back tomorrow. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those nice things. Share it. And uh, yeah, good hour tomorrow. See you then.